If you have your Bible, can you quickly just open it up for me to Luke chapter 12? Luke chapter 12. It's, it's just a great encounter that Jesus had and, uh, with some people who were wondering about their, their estate, their finances, and who should get what and how to divvy it all up. And, um, and, um, but in the con- sort of later in the reading of the, of the account, Jesus makes this little statement um, that kind of, I think, fits in season with where we are and that the Lord has been wanting our heart. He's wanting our heart and he's wanting to be the treasure of our heart. You know, we spoke a couple of weeks back about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like a man walking in a field and when he found the treasure, he went and sold all that he had that he might buy the field and have the treasure. And he did it, the scriptures say, with, interestingly enough, with joy he went and sold all that he had to have that treasure. And in that parable, Jesus is the treasure. And at the same time, on the flip side of that parable, you and me are the treasure that the Father sent the Son for and that in his joy, he sold all that he had to buy the treasure. So there's this flip side to that, that parable. So you're the treasure that God is in hot pursuit of. And he's pouring out all of who he is in Christ that you might know him. And at the same time, he is the treasure that our hearts have always longed for. And in this, this parable or in this account... Jesus, uh, we'll get to it, but let's, let's go from verse 13, Luke 12, 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Because a person's life does not consist in the abundance of their possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll make bigger barns. And there I'll store all my grain and all my goods. Um, And then I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. That kind of sounds like a... Anyway, I won't go there. Anyway, um, but God said to him, but God said to him, you fool. Now, it's interesting, that word fool is a really, like when the word fool is used in the scriptures, it's like a really serious word. <laughs> it's like got a lot of like weight to it. Because, uh, you know, Old Testament stuff, the, the, the Bible says that a fool says in his heart, there is no God. So when God says, you fool, he's saying, you're in a place of complete, absence of the reality of who I am and you're lost you are caught in your own wisdom you fool you're caught this very night 
your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not generously rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or about your body or what you will wear, life is more than food, more than the body, more than clothes. He's not saying it's not those things. He's just saying it's those things and more. He's not making those things are evil and wrong. He's just saying there's, that's not where the life is. There is more life to be found than just in those things. Consider the birds or the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. And yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to their life? And since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? If you can't get control over that, that one small thing of adding life to your life, why do you worry about all the rest? Consider how the flowers or the lilies grow. They don't labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour, that's like the king, the Old Testament king Solomon, representative of the presence of God on the earth at that time through his kingdom and his leading. In all of his splendor was dressed as great as one of these flowers. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow's thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Again, God's, Jesus here isn't saying bad, bad little faith. He's just saying, here's the obvious reality. <laughs> if you're worrying about all of this stuff, then the nature of your faith is only small. And God wants to grow that for all of us. Um, and then here, here we go. So t- verse 29, here's the heart language. So here's the, Jesus saying, if you're hearing me in this, here's how you begin to find your way from this place into the more of God's love and provision for your life. Do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about it. So there's something on our end about what we do with our heart in response to what our needs are. What are we going to set our heart to in the hope of our needs being met? Um, Don't worry about this. For the pagan world, that's the unbelieving world, runs after all of these things. And your father knows that you need them. He knows that you need them. But seek his rule and reign, his kingdom, and all of these things will be given you. Do not be afraid, little flock, because your father is pleased to give you his kingdom. He's a good father. Therefore, if he is good, Jesus goes on. What does it mean to live in the goodness of a heavenly father? There's freedom to sell your possessions and give to the poor. And now that's totally countercultural, I know. I live in the same world you do. But that is so like countercultural to the world's 
way. Don't be afraid. Your father's pleased to give you his kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide a purse for yourself that won't wear out. That won't wear out. A treasure in heaven that is not exhausted and where no thief comes near, where no moth destroys. And here is the final sort of point Jesus makes. He says, because wherever your treasure is, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I just, I remember as a young guy, I was in, like, I think I was about 13 at the time, and I wanted desperately to become a world champion tennis player. Never played really much tennis, but I just decided at 13 I was going to be a world champion tennis player. My only problem was I didn't have a tennis racket. So, but I had set my heart to this idea of, I could do this. And I set my heart to this, this idea of becoming a great tennis player. So what that meant was I then started hounding people to wash their car, namely my parents and my grandparents at the time. Can I wash your car for a fiver? What do you want the fiver for? So I can go and buy a tennis racket. What do you want a tennis racket for? So I can be a world champion tennis player. This is how it plays out. I'm using a very simple, silly illustration to point out that when we put our heart to something, when we want to say, you know what, I ascribe great value and worth in this, our actions and our heart go there. And so Jesus is saying, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And he's asking, he's asking people, hey, if you know that your father is good, if you know he's pleased to give you his rule and reign, if you know even by looking at creation how it's looked after and cared for and the birds have got a place to live and food to eat and they don't have big places to store stuff up, if you can see that, where are you going to put your heart? If, you, if God's clearly revealing himself, where are you putting your heart? Where's your treasure? Because your father is wanting to be your treasure. God wants to be your treasure. Now Jesus is not saying and he's not against possessions and stuff. He's not against, that's not what he's having a crack at. He's just saying, if you've got that stuff, be very aware that actually that's not what brings you life. The question for Jesus is, where are you drawing the life from? And that word life in the Greek, or zoe life, it it, it literally means if I was to, um, well, if you were here last Sunday morning, um, there was this amazing, um, you know, some say it was a bit of a workout session, and it was before the Lord and with each other, but we had this great time of dancing before the Lord. And, you know, there was this great release of activity and joy and celebration before the Lord. As one of the young guys in the church said, I think God wants to teach us something about what's in his heart that we're going to catch as we sing this song together. And so we're singing this song, and before you know it, there's this vibrancy of life that entered my body. It's the love of God in the moment. And I found myself jumping up and down like crazy 
And it was just awesome. My, my calves killed me for about four days afterwards. But, but in the moment, I was oblivious of that. But I entered into this place of great joy. And that word, zoe life, that, that word life means this animated, active, vigorous, full, generous, rich, outworking of who being connected to Jesus. Because Jesus actually, in another scripture, he says, hey, guess what? I am the zoe. I am the life. If you want vibrancy, if you want vitality, if you want fullness, if you want, you know, a full life of God's kingdom, be connected to Jesus. Jesus is saying, I am that life. He's just saying, he's not, and in this scripture, he's not saying, hey, don't have stuff. He's just saying, just be on your guard because the stuff will want to tell you there's life in it. But there's no life in the stuff. The life is in Jesus, being connected to Jesus. And when you're fully animated and connected to Jesus and enjoying the Zoe life, that that life-giving reality of his love in our lives, we actually enjoy what we have. The, the, The possessions that he's blessed our life with. And we're able to actually then share them with others, that they might enter into the one who's giving us joy while we're using these things. There's no point in having a great holiday unit or a big barbecue and, or, or, uh, you know, and keeping it to yourself. You're robbing yourself of the joy that's to be found in being connected to Jesus and then sharing that abroad and generously. Jesus just says, hey, where your heart is, that's, or where your treasure is, that's where your heart goes. So think about what your treasure is. And he says, be on your guard. Be on your guard because greed works its work and works its words. Be on your guard for everything or every one, or every idea, or every bit of, of a dream that wants to tell you it will give you life. That's not Jesus. Be on your guard. Be on your guard. And choose, let that heart choice, with the help of the Holy Spirit, who rules and reigns in our hearts, let that life choice be, I choose life. And by doing that, I'm saying I'm choosing the fullness of Jesus. And I'm choosing, in choosing Jesus, to acknowledge my Father, the Heavenly Father, the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, who who actually now adopts me as a son or a daughter, is pleased to generously give me his kingdom. And I don't need to worry anymore. Gosh, how much time did we spend this week in worry? whether it was about a relationship or a, a financial decision or a, whatever it was or, or a career choice, whatever. How much worry did we invest into the world this year? <laughs> be on your guard. And the way you be on your guard is you choose the treasure. You choose the treasure. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And this does impact on your daily decisions, your economic decisions, 
your personal decisions, your relational decisions, your decisions to be obedient to Jesus in the context of advancing his kingdom by praying for the sick or feeding the poor or casting out demons, by, by investing your time for the sake of the greater glory of God. This is what it's about. This is where the rub comes. Are my heart choices? Because where my heart, where the treasure is, that's where my heart's going. Are my heart choices reflecting that I'm actually living what I've been made for, which is for the greater glory of God in the earth and the well-being of people? Am I actually living in that place and space? So I just, I just felt like Jesus wanted to say, greed wants to equate life with stuff. Greed is very active and subtle to rob us of living for the greater glory of God in the earth and where we become super consumed with our own need and comfort. Greed wants to work its ways into becoming a poor substitute that we settle for rather than for the greater glory of God. Your Father loves you. And that's what I love about this church. We've got it on this banner over here near the door as people walk out every week and they walk in. It's a declaration of the heart of God over us. He loves us and he's pleased to give us his kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, just as we spend time here just listening to Nick as she comes and shares with us just a bit of an update on how we're going, we just ask that you would show us our place in this, your heart in this, and that you would, Lord, um, yeah, show us the treasure in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.